0: Welcome to Null Pointers. We are your hosts, Stephen, Mark, and Gerald. And today we will be talking about version control. Should you even bother, or should you just do it anyway? So before we jump into our main topic for today, I wanted to take a quick moment out of your very busy schedules to let you all know that I've finally done it. I finally upgraded my entire home Wi-Fi setup into all those fancy, very expensive ubiquity things.
1: Congratulations. Well done. That is why I can hear you so clearly. I
2: mean, we're all in the same studio, of course, but
0: you know, yes, we are sitting two feet apart. Uh no yeah.
1: six. Six or what is the six? I don't know. It's feet, I don't know. I just
0: do meters. Yes. One and a half meters. One and a half. It's yeah. Yeah. Should be one and a half. So yeah, um, in the end we uh we pretty much redid the entire house lately. And we also thought Wi-Fi would be a very good thing to tackle. So I went for a walk, took the kid. Took Gerald, took the wife. <laughs> and Gerald convinced the wife that this was the stuff we needed. So. so So if if you if you
1: try to convince your significant other that you need must absolutely need to upgrade your system to Ubiquity, we'll rent him to you. Just yes. give me or Steven a call. We'll set up the details. Yeah. Yeah, no, but I, I, I actually own Ubiquity myself and I've dabbled with other systems. Uh, but I must say, once you got it set up, and that's actually, exp- it was quite easy, quite straightforward. I-, I know from one mate who just did not follow the instructions, and he really cornered himself into something there. But I mean, otherwise, it-, it runs really nice, and I barely have to touch it ever. Uh, the updates come sometimes in, and yeah, but I must say, I'm really happy with it. I got uh, three stories, and each of them have got uh, their own Wi-Fi uh, node thingy and uh yeah it just works like a dream.
2: Yeah, same here. I have had it for a couple of years now. And you know, I was just done with we we moved into this house and it's three stories high. Is it? It's two. Um and you know, all the way up in the attic it was kind of impossible to get a wired connection here. So first I had it like beamed from the wireless access point downstairs to the wireless access point upstairs uh but yeah i had all i had a funny thing set up here with all kinds of different um things going on with different manufacturers and i was just done with this stuff not working all the time and so i made the investment and yeah like you said mark it just works so that's awesome i'm i'm very happy i mean it's it's with good reason that they are so popular
1: absolutely and also no debt zones on the potty i guess steven
0: on the potty yeah, well, th- that's that is very close to one of the access points, so that is like prime prime spot for for being on the internet, I guess. Um, but the only thing I'm I'm basically missing right now is a cloud key, because I thought who needs it, and then slowly I'm now veering towards putting a Raspberry Pi that I have lying around doing nothing, put that to work as a cloud key because. I just spent god knows how much on a expensive setup. So now I'm going to cheat and be very cheap.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, just just maybe to take a step back. If you are interested in it or if you never have heard about Ubiquiti and you just now started to do Google for it, it can be a bit overwhelming at first because you If you buy a router like from all the other kinds, you usually get everything in one box. So you get the the modem and you get the Ethernet ports and you get the Wi Fi and it's all set up in one thing. And with Ubiquiti, you usually get single components that all do one job. So you got like uh, your dishes that will do the Wi Fi stuff and you got your switches, uh, which you then can hook the. The wi-fi repeaters into and then you can get a cloud key which is like a bit of the brains uh, behind all of it which you can configure stuff and you can get one of those for i think it's about 100 bucks i don't know maybe since corona it's gone up to 300 i that stuff has been going that way lately um but uh it, it's like i invested that steven and it was just like turnkey you know it just works but I'm, i'm i'm i'll be happy to ask you in a couple of weeks how your Raspberry solution is working? A,
0: out. a couple of weeks seems like a fair timeline. I uh, <laughs> I have to admit, I I saw the five minute guide to setting that up, and it was like twenty pages, and I was like, this probably will not take five minutes. So, we'll we'll <laughs> see.
2: I feel we can uh, we can create another episode on on this topic, so uh, we might do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Then let's segue into our other thing which is version control. And, well, I suppose pretty much everyone listening to this knows what version control is. Um, But just a very, very quick overview. It's basically you have a piece of code or anything else you have in your project, basically any type of file, and you put that somewhere centrally managed so that every change that happens on it is logged, tracked. And it's, it's basically just a repository where all your files live being controlled by versioning there's really no rocket science to this in, in the sense of what it does but under the hood it does a lot of very complex stuff if you ask me so going back 10 years maybe i think for me my first touch of source control is source and and that was well it hurt a bit i, I can't lie
1: do you still have nightmares I, I hear a lot of people have nightmares from, from using
0: SoulSafe. I never have done it myself, but it uh, it haunts me on my darkest days.
2: Really? But I, yeah, I've really, did you not use that, Mark? I mean, you're, you're are you the oldest of us three? I don't know. Uh, let's not mm. get into touchy subject. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, I've used it. And uh, so if, if you've used it too, it's like maybe we should get into a little bit like, why should you even bother? So, uh, why why should you even do this? But the funny thing is with SourceSafe is that you would just lock one file when you're working on it, so it would just be locked, and then whenever your colleague came in and wanted to make adjustments in that same file, then you just couldn't because you know that file was checked out to to me. Um, so i was working on it and that was especially fun whenever people would go out on vacation and uh, leave their files um, checked out and uh, i mean of course if you had the right the proper rights then um, you could you could just revert that with the risk of um, yeah the people uh, being on vacation losing their changes but uh, yeah so that was that was a fun time to to work with
1: yeah no i i honestly never did any source safe Uh, i started out with cvs um but i must be honest when i used cvs i literally had no idea what i was doing i was just checking in stuff doing doing that and then uh i remember moving over to svn uh for quite some time and uh, i also remember quite vividly the tortoise 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 plugin for the Windows Explorer. So you could just like right-click, uh, commit, and do stuff there. And uh, yeah, uh, that that worked really well uh, on that. And then um, I remember having to shift over to the team foundations team foundation source control which was like tightly integrated into visual studio don't know if any of you two had the joy of that but it, i think it, that was really close to the source safe experience because you could not edit files in the explorer or in anything else than in visual studio or else uh, the changes might not be yeah caught up uh, in in the system and there was also like this locking mechanism and i remember that at the time i was working at a company where i had quite so long to commute so i Wanted to work on the train, which then, yeah, I mean, if you did two big refactorings and moved around files, it was just, yeah, you were in for a for a joyride. Sometimes messing, uh, like cleaning up after yourself for an hour or so, uh, yeah,
2: yeah, because SourceSafe is Microsoft as well, right? So that probably evolved into Team Foundation Source Control, um, and therefore it uses the same mechanism, like locking files and that kind of fun stuff.
0: Yeah. I, I, faintly remember a TFS server on our on-premises before all that stuff became Azure DevOps and all its predecessors. Um, but yeah, especially the, the file locking that was just, oh boy, he has this file checked out and he's on holiday now, or maybe he doesn't even work here anymore. That is, that was, those were the days. Horrible.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I remember having an interview at a company uh, back then, and they asked me, so what do you think about TFS? And I was just like, I I just, I was just like so hurt from a last project where it was just like so much pain fighting against version control systems. And yeah, I, I just gave them, I think, my ominous opinion. And then they told me, oh, yeah, you know, we're a gold Microsoft partner for that thing. And it was like, okay, too honest, I, will I guess, cry now. being yeah. too honest.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so everybody has probably heard of git in any way be it through github what? or just the protocol git itself so um, but, but
2: but okay okay before we tell because git we're going to get be lost in git that's the oh like, yes. the big thing but so did we we didn't talk about yet like why should we do this because i've heard like the horror stories now i'm i'm i'm, I'm, I'm making fun of people now that i shouldn't do that so but there is there is people who still use like dropbox or google drive or whatever to exchange files um, code that you're working with and that is something you should not do because why not because then you're going to lose it you don't have like the history because part of what you want to achieve with what you're building right is trying to build up like a history so you can see why things were changed by who at what time uh, so that if there is a bug you can trace back to maybe you know uh, why things happen Um, it, it gives you traceability it gives you so many things and there is a lot of people who still exchange code in a way that you um should not really do, right? So is is there there other uh, reasons that I'm forgetting right here why you should really use version
1: control? I think you touched there on a a couple of very good points. I I remember uh, using, back in the day, some file shares to synchronize my code between computers. And um, yeah, it just... It might be quite hard if you like working on very small projects to to sometimes see the benefit of version control, but uh, if you if you use them like if you know how to use them, it can be a, a true time saver. If you like get into a rut in programming and you just want to go back to the last save point. and another thing that that you mentioned, Gerald, is like uh, working on on projects that live a long time um, you you want to know what you have deployed the last time that you have uh, installed that on the system and version control systems give you uh, the the tools to do that so you can in easily um, tag uh, your code at the state when it was deployed and you can then also see back in history what changes were made and if you deploy a new release you will then know which areas you have to test all those things um you you will be able to read those out of the source control system uh if you are working on on big old systems that can be a real big helper
2: yeah so unless you're like really working on a small uh maybe sample project or a little little project i mean all basically uh, github uh, all the older version, major version control systems with backups and everything, uh, they're free now, right? So so please, if you're not aware, look into it, use it. Uh, if, if, if you can't figure it out, please call me. I'll talk you through it because you should just
0: use this. I thought you were gonna say you were gonna write the code for me, but that that's a shame. That uh... is the one thing I won't do, sorry. No, oh, that, that's <laughs> such a shame. But yeah, also like you said, it. Uh, what's also quite very useful, actually, in inversion control is because you're doing all of your commits, which is basically a set of files that you're checking in as a as a single unit. Um, you can also like cherry pick through all of those commits if you want to, for example, release a certain fix but you don't want to release all the other things. If you're not doing version control, you need to somehow manually rip all of that out. Um, Whereas using something like cherry picking, which is the, I think the proper term for it. um, You could just say, I want this specific change that I did here two months ago. Um, I want to apply that on top of whatever we have in production right now. And that way you can just put together your piece of software in a much more controlled way before going uh, into production
2: oh a controlled way i like it i like it okay so we've had a couple of so and if we go back to then what is version control so there's different systems to do it right like we've had uh, source safe i mean you can still use source safe if that's what you want so basically what that is is like a database specifically designed for saving your code with all the metadata around it, like who committed it, when, what changed, uh, etc. So that is a version control system. So then we had source safe, uh, CVS, SVN. Uh, and now the most popular one by far, I think is Git.
0: Yeah. I think since since a few years, at least in my case, um, I've, I've really learned to appreciate Git. Um, our, our, Team Foundation or Azure DevOps, whatever you want to call it, um, was still stuck on TFVC. Is that the correct term? Team Foundation yeah, I think <laughs> so. Control. Yeah. Um, and and there was some fear because Git is is can be quite daunting first at first sight. Whereas the whole TFVC experience was pretty much baked into. Um, Azure DevOps at the time, with a simple GUI and simple clicky buttons and all that stuff. But as soon as you hit Git, you, you basically see all sorts of commands and complicated stuff, or at least at first sight. So if, if we're being honest, are you a, a Git GUI or a Git command line type of guy?
1: Well, I'm, I'm all in the command line. Uh, I guess that's uh, because I, I had to switch uh, systems a bit back when I originally bought it onto Git. So I switched then I think, back to Linux and then again to Mac and then to Windows and stuff like that. And I just then, well, was kind of forced to learn the command line. And uh, I, th- I think if you learn the command line, it's uh, it will it will reap the benefits because you'll have all the commands there and uh, you are not at the whim of a good UX design for the Git client. But um I, I might not be the best reference when it comes to, to UIs uh, which are not terminal-based.
2: Yeah, so I do a bit of both, actually. So I do... there. I've been switching to command line more and more, actually. I've been using a... Probably because I came from like the... Uh, I always mix up that acronym, the TFVC... Well, CV... I don't know. Uh, the one for Microsoft because that was, you know, the whole Windows paradigm. You just do everything with... Uh, a graphical user interface and um, so I whenever I started with git I used a um, graphical interface as well uh, which does the basic things pretty nice but then you know then suddenly someone starts to ask you to rebase a thing or cherry pick a thing or I don't know uh, do all kinds of more advanced stuff Uh, and then yeah it's especially like the rebasing is I don't think there is a GUI tool that does it like perfectly Um, and I I mean in fact it's, it's a harder concept to grasp as a whole even if you're doing it from the command line and it's especially scary because you're rewriting history, and uh, you can potentially lose things. So that's not great. Uh, but I seem, find myself switching to command line more and more. Um, and um, But the thing I, I go to a GUI for most is to see the timeline. Um, so again, you, you're going to see all the commits and stuff. And when you're doing a rebase, for instance, uh, then you're going to say, okay, I have this branch at a certain point in time, and I'm going to uh, put the commits that I've made uh, and put them on top of that. So uh, then whenever I do that, then I want to see in a GUI uh, the GUI works best for me you can still do that in a command line if you want but in the GUI then it's it's most clear to me that I did the right thing that I can still see the commit that I'm expecting to see um, and and my commits are on top of that so that's that's actually the only thing right now that I still use the um, the GUI for
0: yeah I'm I'm a GUI guy myself mostly actually and that, that is also like you said coming from the the times when it was just TFVC built into Visual Studio, so the the whole command line stuff. Well, the the basics I can do, but rebasing or, or changing things, m- fixing merge conflicts, all that stuff. For me, that uh, I am still a very visually focused guy. I guess I I hardly know any of the commands. I'd have to look up most of them, probably. Well, t-
1: truth be told, I I often open up visual studio on windows whenever i have a a bigger merge conflict because i still really like the uh merge tool experience that is provided within visual studio but yeah i i think it's i think uh, when you when you get started uh, it can be quite daunting as you said stephen uh because git um is like a like when Git came along, there were also different ones like Mercurial and stuff like that, but they were like the first decentralized or distributed version control systems. And uh, like CVS and SVN, they were all like version control systems. So you always had like a, a server where all the versions lived. And um, I think the big difference is like when you check out a repository uh, on GitHub or so, you actually get the entire history uh, on your on your local computer. And with the older systems you only had uh the working copy, like all you, you had like the the previous version, like the, the, the head of the server, the latest version, and all your changes they were also on your uh, local state. But that was it. And once you committed, it then automatically committed to the server. And uh yeah, I think with that there has come a bit of a added uh layer of complexity. And I think that uh the Git was um Developed by Linus Torvalds, who's also the person behind Linux. You might know him. Um, he, uh, the, Git is actually more or less a file system, if you if you look a bit into it. So, yeah, it's, it, you can do crazy stuff with Git, but it's uh, also really useful. So I guess that's why it went out in the end.
2: Yeah, so that's that's an interesting thing. So why did it win? Because we talked about, uh, we, we made fun of Visual Source Save and uh, the TFS1 um because you know you had to check out files and I also remember things like the thing you mentioned like whenever you have you have merge conflict somehow so someone else someone else also managed to have a a copy of the file and um you know then you had to figure out who wins um and and so git does that all a lot better right so I think like you say it has a file system basically and it it really goes on a line basis right so on a line basis or maybe even characters it just compares changes and you can say okay I want to take this change and not that change Uh, that's that's I, I think that's one of the biggest advantages right and also the the whole thing that I mentioned earlier like the the history rewrite Um, so with the source saves of this world you would really have like one linear history which is something that you still want to go for whenever you're using git as much as possible Um, but you know you have some possibility to at least uh, clean up your history a little bit or uh, yeah do things to make sure that it's it's clean and readable is there any other advantages that i'm that i'm missing why git is the big winner
1: well, I think those. Uh, I think you mentioned some really interesting features there. I think another thing is just it's quite quick. It, I mean, the performance of it of the client is actually quite fast. Uh, if you have only used when uh, Git on Windows, uh, be sure to try it once out on a Unix system. It's it's even faster there. And uh, yeah, I think just a lot of the a lot of the options around it, and plus it was free and open source, so I think that really made people buy in. And also, I mean. These days, I mean, since we mentioned Team Foundation Version Control, the Azure DevOps team, which is like the successor of the Team Foundation team, just like a rename, maybe, uh, they also use Git internally. So you can see that um, Git has won over also for very big projects. So even if you got like a, a lot of a lot of people working on it and a lot of history, uh, it seems to keep up quite well when it comes to to source code. Talking about huge projects, I mean, you can also notice it like when you initially uh, check out, I mean, I, I mentioned it quickly before that this entire thing is like you always clone the entire repository, so you get all the all the history. But that's also like when you, when you check out a new repository, like if you would go ahead and check out Zarin Forms, you'll see it downloads quite a bit of data. And that's not because it, they have like a ton of images or movies in there. It's actually because there's also quite a bit of history uh, of code in there, which you will then get. All in one go. So if you ever clone a repository from GitHub, you will get all the commits from day one until then when you clone the repository. So you got all the so you got all the files locally, and that also means that you could actually make all your stuff just on your local computer and uh, never have to push it up to a server.
2: Yeah, right. So that's that's the big difference with the whole Visual Source Safe, right? So there basically the, the all the files would only live would have one copy on the server, and you would just get one file basically um, edit that and then put it back on the shelf so with git you all have your own copy of the repository so that means there's also a couple of pitfalls right so whenever you start working with this first you will have to keep in mind to uh, do a a pool to get all the latest code first right and also there there comes the rebase again like if you're working on a separate branch uh, we could we could make a complete different uh, separate episode on branching strategies and, and stuff, I think. Branches are preferably short-lived because if you don't do that, you at least have to get all the code from like your main branch, right? Because else you will have gone off in your branch, make all kinds of funny changes, but um, you have no clue what someone else is doing and that's all going into the main branch. Um so you you have this whole new things to to think about but whenever you do actually go and commit a file uh it will check like hey have their changes been made by some other person and it will tell you again like like we mentioned earlier like on a line level or character level like hey um, on this same line um, changes have already been made by this and this person so how do you want me to solve this um git is also very good in solving a lot of these merge things themselves like um they see that lines maybe can combine and, and whatever. So they merge a whole bunch of stuff themselves. But if it's like changes on the actual same line, then um, you know you will have to solve that for it because there's maybe we should apply some AI to get to uh, make it smarter. But uh, you will have to tell it like, hey, what is the right way to go here? Um, and there, for me, also, the, the GUI tools come back in as well. That, that's some, really something uh, Visual Studio Code, for example, does really well. Um, yeah, so that's that's another main difference with, uh, with the older version control systems, I think.
1: Yeah, and talking about older control version systems, uh, I remember, I think, uh, Linus Torvalds he once gave a talk uh, about Git uh, at Google. I will we'll be sure to link the, the video into the show notes. And uh, it just just be warned, it's not um, kit-safe language Use there. But, uh, yeah, we, we have come a long way, and uh, I'm... All these uh, having a having a copy locally uh, really makes the merging a lot better than it was before i mean i remember uh, in the earlier source control systems you were told not to use branches because they were just too big of a hassle and uh, if you're using git today uh, i don't think anybody would have ever told you not to use branches we have Touched on some of the more advanced uh, Git commands that we um, can be using, and I just thought maybe maybe we could share some of our favorites. Like one of my favorites is amend. Like whenever you uh, missed something out on your previous commit, you can uh, add those files. Like let's say you forget to save all in Visual Studio. I mean I know to who does that ever happen? Um, With Git commit minus minus amend, you can then just like shuff those changes into the last commit. Uh, sees nothing has ever happened. I hear you, Gerald, you are a big fan of rebasing. <laughs>
2: so I don't know if it's a fan, because I'm I'm I mean I'm also still definitely learning here, but uh it was this this story is actually based on uh yeah my my early Xamarin days contributing days. Uh that was two times days, but I don't care um but uh, so yeah and, and back then they would ask the contributors sometimes because uh you know xamarin forms is a big code base and it's it's changing rapidly so um a lot of changes would go into the main branch and your pr uh which is also something we didn't really touch upon which is a big part of git um so your pr your pull request would sit there which is a different branch and um they would want to make sure that um the code in your pr would play nice with the rest of the code that's gone into the main branch so uh then it would ask you to do a rebase and i was like okay i will i i definitely know what that is but just in case let me google that for you um so i did and it turned out to be really complicated and dangerous so i was really scared so i i really um had to learn some things about it and you know after you've done it a couple of times I've already explained what it is basically um but yeah you you just need to really um see what you're doing understand what you're doing and then it's it's not nearly that um scary or hard as you think but uh, it's uh, it's a very powerful thing to um you know you also have a thing that's called merge commits which uh um uh, yeah make your history not clean uh, because those merge commits is basically an extra commit that merges your changes uh, with the changes that are in main it merges them together and makes that into a um, a separate commit and it will also show up in your history as merge commit blah blah I don't know something like that Um, and that that doesn't really help if you're trying to find something Um, in the history right whenever you're looking for a bug or how something uh, came to be so you can overcome that with a rebase and you will just take the commits that you've done um, replay them on top of the the latest one the the branch or Um, yeah uh, rebasing it on Um, and it will it will add it commit by commit so it will add it it will see like hey is there any conflicts right here Um, if not then I'll go through to the next commit if there are any um, conflicts then you will have to solve them first and then it will uh, go on to the next commit etc until they're all done uh, so, and then, I, I mean, I'm just keep reveling on here because there are so many thoughts coming at me now, uh, but it also comes down to like a personal preference because we were explaining Um, in the Discord to other contributors of the Xamarin Community Toolkit, like how they needed to do a rebase. And it was funny because multiple people jumped in and everyone also has their personal preference. So there's also people who would like to squash their commits. So you can squash multiple commits, Um, say that you have three commits and you changed one file in one of them two files in another and in one other the last commit you change that same file again you can squash these commits together so that it becomes one commit with uh three changed files and you can just rebase that that one commit and that makes your history even cleaner because now your feature that you've been working on in three commits is now reduced to just one commit. Are people still following me? I, I, I have a feeling that you can explain this better whenever you have a whiteboard. But anyway,
0: so yeah, rebase is my favorite command. I was wondering if you were still recording actually, but apparently <laughs> we are. Um, but yeah, this, especially the rebase one, that, that one for me is also kind of new. I haven't really done a lot of open source projects and in my recent work years we we didn't need a lot of rebasing anyway but definitely with that xamarin community toolkit that was a a thing that i needed to get under my belt as a as a tool and i I quite like the way it works Um, even in the in the default github gui client and it's it's basically a matter of just fixing merge conflict after merge conflict and and plowing through everything that happened, um, which can become quite tedious if you haven't rebased recently, (laughs) especially if it's a, a rapidly changing code base. But other than that, it's, it's, it's an okay thing for me at least.
2: Yeah, definitely. And you still need to look out with it. I mean, if you, especially if you're working, um, so I, I wrote a blog post about this, which we'll now link in the show notes because I mentioned it, um, and someone uh, immediately came up to me on Twitter like, hey, um, you need to be careful with this. So the thing with the Xamarin Forms contributions were I was working on that branch and no one else. But if you're maybe working with different people on that same branch, um, you don't just want to go rebasing the thing uh, because what comes after the rebase is a force push. Uh, which is the thing where you rewrite history and you potentially lose commits. Um, so it, maybe if other people did some commits that you didn't see and you're going to rebase, you might lose them. Um, so then you have these special options and things uh, that you can do to ensure that that doesn't happen. Uh, I don't have too much experience with that myself. Uh, but just you know a word of caution that if you want to go out and rebase all the things now, um, have a good look at uh, why you want to do it, and maybe you should find some other way to do it.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm personally a big fan of rebasing. Uh, I've, I think it's like things that uh, a couple of years back, uh, someone introduced me to the concept and how it keeps your uh, commit history clean and you don't have some merges all along the way. And once you know how it works, uh, you, you really like it. And also like the squashing, like whenever you merge a a branch back into the main branch, uh, you then just say well, all those changes, I'll compress them into one change because usually you're working on a feature or a bug fix and they can just see uh, much easier what is happening. And it also allows you to check in a lot more frequently locally without cluttering up the Git log. Um, But yeah, I think when rebasing and force pushing, it's just always keep in mind, like, if you're working on your own branch and because you're like changing history people, if you're rebasing, you're changing history. So and that comes with its rewards and it also comes with uh, its uh, fears and so whenever you rebase and force push just be sure that no one else has got uh, another version of that branch somewhere uh, because otherwise they might not be anymore your best friends if they still have some pending changes locally because when they then pull again the branch uh, the time history will be different and their changes they just won't match up anymore so that's something to keep in mind And I think another one that uh, Stephen mentioned is cherry-picking. Also, I I like to do that from time to time. Like whenever you had a change in a branch and you just want to have that tiny little bit that you want to pull over, you can get cherry pick the thing over and then it's there. Uh, Another one that I have used on some projects is the Git large file system. Uh, Git is really good when it comes to... Uh, working with text files or source code files, but it, it sort of breaks. Uh, the, the problem is since Git stores like all the versions of something, if you check in a big binary file like uh, images or movies, uh, whenever you in, uh, whenever you check in an update of that movie, it will it will also make a diff of it. So you will have a replica of that binary file lingering around in history, uh, which can clog up your. Uh, files or like can clog up your your uh, git repository quite nicely and uh, i don't do, do you guys ever use git lfs i did not i have never used it nope maybe one day you will you'll, you'll be able to use it it's actually enabled on on github so if you ever want to try it out but uh yeah it's uh it, it comes with this it. it's a bit of a hassle to, to get it running so you have to i wouldn't just enable it on every project
2: yeah, I think the other day I saw a tweet of someone complaining about it, like that it's that it's not that good or I don't know. He was he was complaining about it. Someone on Twitter was complaining about something, okay. Yeah, I mean is the grass green, right? I mean, I don't know. Um so but and the other thing is um submodules. I think that's also something that can get you in a lot of trouble. Do you have any experience with that? I have a very very short experience with that. Actually, one of them is uh, with Xamarin Forms. I think they quickly took that out as well because they used that as I don't because I wasn't on the team then. But I think they used it to loop in some kind of private um, Git repository. So whenever a contribute contributor would uh, get the code, they would always get an error that they uh, didn't have the permissions to to get that um and so there were always questions like hey what's happening i don't know uh, panic um and i think stephen was that with you where we considered using a submodule for something
0: yeah i think we were sort of debating that we had we had se- separate apps that needed to share some logic and ah right would would we need to make those separate repositories um that submodule that shared logic in or is it just the one big repo type approach. Um, obviously, with any version control system, you have different types of approaches to solve the same problem. But in the end, we opted for the one big mono repo solution because I think also with the submodule stuff, it was pretty tied to what we were building. It wasn't a separate thing that that other projects could make use of. I think that was the main reason we went.
2: So whenever you add a submodule, I think it's uh, tied to a, a certain commit, right? So you would still have to like uh, pull in the new version of that submodule and uh, link it to that so you would have a separate commit and have to think like that you have to update it each time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's not like a shared folder that you have where, where you can do the things. Um, I know there were some reasons that we decided against it because we were like, you know, this is this is far from ideal. We're, we're not going to do this.
1: Too much of a hassle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I when it's like funny. I think like in open source, I, I remember using the submodule for, for certain projects. So that it was, a, so I think, yeah. So one example was uh, when writing a wrapper for an iOS library that was also open source. I would then just add the submodule into the wrapper and so i it's because it's also version so it's always so i could always build against a certain version of that uh, ios uh, library and then uh, generate the wrapper from it uh that there was quite nice when working in in a business setup i know i could use a SAP module but sometimes we just uh Opt in for cloning the report, the both repositories twice next to each other. Uh, and in a future point, maybe making a, a nougat that's the other uh project will then just consume. I think it's, I think you just have to find out what works for you best. But, um, yeah, so, some modules are there so you can have you can like link different repositories into your own repository. Uh, there are special commands how so you then have to update them and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah. I've used them. I can't say I'm a fan. I can't say I hate them. I can't say I'm not a fan. I I just, yeah, they're they're, there. They can be your views. You're just being neutral. Yeah, I'm being Swiss. Mm -hmm. Ah, thank you. Now Everything makes sense. Yeah.
0: And I think that pretty much wraps up this episode on version control. We've been your hosts, Steven Tavison, Mark Alleybone,
1: and Gerald Schleidt.
0: Please let us know your version stories on Twitter at NullPointers.io. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on your podcasting app. And thanks for listening. Stay safe. And until next week on Null Pointers.